For years, dads in the media have been portrayed as fools and bumbling idiots, the constant butt of jokes. But according to a mountain of statistics, dads are one of the most stabilizing factors in a home and in the futures of their children. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is the Dad Ain't No Joke podcast. Our mission's simple, change the narrative about dads. Feature dads who are doing their best to serve their families and build a community of dads committed to those they love. Each episode will seek to have quality conversations with dads who are known or unknown about their highest highs and lowest lows, and with experts in the field who can share some of the most important elements dads bring to the family. Dad, one of the most challenging and rewarding jobs in the world. Well, Becky Harling has a degree in biblical literature. She's a speaker, she's a Bible teacher, an author, and we're just so thrilled to have Becky with us today. She is a mother as well, a mother of four, grandmother of 14. She's certainly been blessed in that area. I'm sure we'll talk about all of that. Becky, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, it is great to be with you. I am delighted to be here. Most people might be, as we're starting this conversation, kind of wondering, I thought you talked to dads. Why do you have a mom and a grandmother on? I think one of the main reasons that I wanted to get you on is to talk about the impact of fathers in their kids' lives. We often talk about the positive influence of fathers on their kids' lives, but we haven't yet spent much time talking about some of the negative impacts and how a child deals with some of those negative impacts of a father. You yourself have dealt with some trauma in your life related to your father, and as you feel comfortable, I would just love to ask you to tell us a bit about your story related to your father, and then we can talk a little bit about uh, how that impacted you and and how you've processed that through the years and how that's changed through the years of your life. Uh, so I'd love to just open it up for you to tell us a bit of your story. Yeah, so thank you. You know, I was raised in this home that from the outside really looked perfect, and there was a lot of pressure in it to be perfect. My father was well-known in ministry worlds. He was a pastor. He was at a Bible college. But he also sexually abused me physically abused at times, emotionally, and certainly spiritually, you know. And so growing up, there was this whole conundrum in my thinking because I knew I loved Jesus. I met Jesus when I was only three years old. And uh, I remember asking Jesus to come into my life, to take over my life. And Jesus really became my very best friend. But because of the father wounds, I was very afraid of God the Father, you know, and so really it impacted me in in the idea of just having tons of fear and anxiety in my life. I never knew when things would happen, and it, it just made me a very anxious person, and yet I kept pursuing Jesus. Because I was a natural performer, I graduated high school early, um, I went into college, and I just kind of buried whatever had happened in our home, you know, and I got married. And it really wasn't until I was going through surgeries for breast cancer that God began to show me, hey, I need to do more healing in your life. I need to do physical healing from cancer for you, but I need to do a deep work of emotional healing. And so at that point, I entered counseling 
And I began to meet with a Christian therapist to just take a look at my past and how this was impacting me as an adult woman, you know, and so it was a, a long journey, but I'm really thankful that I did that. You know, a lot of Christians are afraid to go for counseling, but dad wounds are huge. I have talked to people, both men and women who have experienced father wounds. I remember several months ago, a young pastor said to me, Becky, I don't even know how to be a father because my father walked out the door when I was two years old. And so father wounds are so common. And until we really grapple with them, we can't really enjoy our heavenly father's love. And, and that really is one of the I think biggest challenges for a spiritual life, it seems, or at least I've heard, is that often these father wounds are transferred or or they create our own impressions of God himself, God the Father, because we don't have a solid view of our own father, and that impacts our spiritual view. Did you find that that was the case with your life? Oh, totally. I, I, you know, again, there was this disconnect between me and God, the father. So I, I loved ministry and I went into ministry, you know, my husband and I began pastoring it when we were only like 21 years old. However, I, even though I was speaking and teaching on the love of God, I personally could not feel his love. And that began to alert me that there were father wounds that I had not dealt with, you know, and I, I think it's huge for people because research and psychologists and theologians tell us that our earliest view of God as our father comes from our earthly father. And in a lot of ways, that's a scary thought, you know? And so my challenge for your listeners who are fathers is what kind of picture are you giving your kids of God as their heavenly father? Uh, let's talk for a moment about that period of time you talked about after the breast cancer and the surgery and the healing process, you began to understand there was a need to deal with some of these things. What were some of those early learnings that you discovered in the process of understanding I need to deal with some things that maybe I had put aside? Yeah, I, I think... There were um, a lot of beliefs that I had unintentionally adopted, you know, like God's going to punish me if I don't perform well enough for him. Well, when you think about it, that's the total opposite of grace, right? And so grace tells me I'm fully known, loved, forgiven, empowered, and pursued by God. And it has nothing to do with my performance. If it did, we we wouldn't be followers of Jesus, right? And so Jesus took the punishment so that we don't have to. So there were little things like that. There were also, you know, I wanted to serve God and it, it translated into, I want to run faster and faster and faster so that God will be happier and happier and happier with me. When in reality, God was completely happy with me. I was his child, you know, it had nothing to do again with my performance as his daughter. But, you know, those those false beliefs can enter our faith process, you know, uh, false beliefs about identity. I am what I do rather than no, I am who I am in Christ. I am the beloved daughter of the most high God. 
and God loves me. You know, uh, it's interesting because in the year since then, I've read a really interesting book by a psychologist called David Benner. And David talks in his book um, and he gives his challenge to people. When you go to pray, how do you imagine God looking at you? And when I was asked that question in therapy, you know, God the Father looked pretty angry with me. He looked a lot like my earthly father. And I had to change that picture because that's not who scripture tells us that God the Father is. When I'm praying to him, he's delighted to see me. And so this idea of God as our father informs every part of our spiritual journey. One of the things you've written is Our Father, a study of the Lord's Prayer, a six-week Bible study. I'm just guessing here, but that had to have come out of your experience of healing in some way or another. Is that correct? It, it did. It also came out of, you know, in 2020, actually, towards the end of COVID, I was brought out to speak at a prayer breakfast, a community-wide prayer breakfast. And at the end of my message, I had all these civic leaders stand and say the Lord's Prayer. And what I realized in that moment is almost everybody in America knows the Lord's Prayer. If you have any kind of church experience. However, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, but they don't necessarily understand it. And so I felt compelled by the Lord to really dive into the Lord's Prayer. Now, as soon as I dove in, I realized, oh my word, this offers so much healing for those of us that have father wounds. Because the first phrase of the Lord's Prayer is, our Father who is in heaven. It's incredible to see how God wove all that together. I'd love to learn a bit about what you learned in going through the Lord's Prayer. We've probably all heard sermons on the Lord's Prayer and have said it maybe many times in our faith traditions, but coming from a place of experiencing those father wounds in some way or another, someone who might be engaging with the podcast today, they may have their own experiences, and I think some of this will be helpful. Could you talk a little bit about what you began to learn in, in the writing of this? Yeah. And so way beyond Jesus just saying, hey, pray this way, Jesus was in offering us six invitations. And when you look at those invitations, they're incredible. So the first invitation is actually to know God as Father, and not just to know intellectually, but to know experientially that we are part of the family of God. He is our father. And then the invitation to worship where Jesus invites us to pray, hallowed be thy name. You know, as a kid, I thought, just don't take the Lord's name in vain. However, Jesus is inviting us to a lifestyle of worship because as we worship God as our father, we become more like him. We are changed within. And then there's this invitation to surrender, you know, where, where Jesus invites us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. And then there's the invitation, which is one of my favorites, to ask audaciously. And there Jesus invites us to pray, give us today our daily bread. And then there's the invitation to find freedom through forgiveness, where he invites us to pray for, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then finally, to live victorious, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I think as we look at the Lord's Prayer and we look at this uh, concept of our Father, our Heavenly Father, and process through these Father wounds, these challenges we've had growing up. 
each one of these six invitations is a beautiful invitation. It's something we can all learn from together in whatever stage of parenting we are in, whether we're a father, a mother, a grandfather, a grandmother, a want-to-be parent, there's going to be things we can take away from this. Uh, You talk about Jesus inviting us to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Talk about surrender a little bit. What does that look like? I mean, even as I think back to what you've described as these father wounds, surrendering to a father is not something you're thinking about. So this is almost the opposite of what you would want to do in a, in a case of having an abusive father. But this loving father, it's a very different picture. What does that look like? You know, and, and that's why it's important that picture again that we have of God as our father in our in our imaginations, because If the father in your imagination as you're praying to God is angry with you, it's going to be really hard to surrender. If, however, he is loving and kind and you've internalized the idea that he loves you completely, that he wants what's best for you, then it becomes easier to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, Also, you talk about asking audaciously. I love the word and I love the concept again. If you had a father who was a challenge, who was abusive, who was overbearing, you may not want to ask for much for fear of upsetting him. The picture that immediately pops into my mind, I love musicals, and I think of Oliver, the musical Oliver and the young boy coming up to the big man to ask for more porridge in the the children's home. You know, it's I don't know if I want to ask for that. I don't know that he's going to want to give it. But with a giving God, it's a different picture. How would you describe or maybe illustrate the idea of this asking audaciously? You know, this is one of my favorite stories in the book. So Steve and I were the parents of four children. And if you're a parent, which I assume a lot of you are, since this is a father podcast, you know, you know that some of your children come out of the womb and they're compliant. Some are a little more like negotiators. And, you know, we had a little negotiator and I'll never forget taking our four kids to Disney World. And on the last day of vacation, each of the kids were allowed to pick out a souvenir. And our youngest, who was, I think, had just turned four at the time, picked out a baby Minnie Mouse. And our six-year-old went back and forth. Do I want the baby Minnie Mouse? Maybe I don't. I'm too big. I'm too this, whatever. She didn't want it. Well, that night, it was the last night of vacation. We were getting the kids in bed because we had to start the long drive home early the next morning. And there was this massive meltdown from our six-year-old. I really wanted the baby Minnie Mouse, you know, and she's sobbing and let's go back and we need to get her to sleep because we're going to begin the long drive in the morning, you know, and somehow we got her to sleep. But what I remember about that is at nine o'clock at night, my husband, Steve, grabbed the car keys. And I was like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to the Disney store. And he went to three Disney stores that night and came back triumphantly at like 1030 or 11 o'clock at night with a baby Minnie Mouse and tucked it in bed next to her. Now, Parenting experts might say, well, you should have handled that differently, you know, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. Steve gave our daughter, Stephanie, a beautiful picture of her heavenly father. He never gets upset with our persistence. As human parents, 
we might get annoyed and even irritated at times, but he doesn't. And Steph is now the mom of four kids herself. And she still remembers that, you know? And so she'll be like, oh, I remember the baby Minnie Mouse and it compels me to do this for my kids, you know? And so I, I think it gave me as the mom, such a picture of my heavenly father. Like he doesn't get annoyed when we keep coming to him persistently and asking for what we feel we need. One of the most challenging things it seems in these six invitations that you talk about, again, with regard to a, a bad father situation, father wounds, is finding freedom through forgiveness. I think I was talking about this with someone the other day. I think some of the biggest issues in our society today, if you really boiled it down into people's individual lives, I don't mean just cultural problems, but I think that's an outpouring, but you boil it down into people's individual lives, unforgiveness and or roots of bitterness, which are, which are often created from unforgiveness are really lying at the at the base of so many of the issues in our society today. If you really boiled it down, this is a big, big challenge for anybody just living life. But when you've been wronged, even more so. Talk for a moment about your own experiences with this and, and other things you'd like to share. Yeah, it, you know, so this is the, the most challenging of the invitations by far and away. However, it offers us the most freedom. You know, as long as I did not forgive my father, he held all the power over me because I was still afraid. I remember sitting down with a Christian leader, and this was after my father had passed away. And he said to me, Becky, you need to forgive your father. And I said, well, I think I already have. And he said, no, you haven't. And I said, well, how do you know that? You know, And he said, because I see fear in your eyes. And he said, when you finally forgive your father, you're no longer going to be afraid of him. And so I really had to go before the Lord and say, Lord, show me how to forgive him. And what the Holy Spirit did is he led me back to those memories of abuse. And he offered me a choice. Becky, will you forgive? And as and as I said to the Holy Spirit, I will forgive my father. And as I repeated that decision, he held far less power over me because I had forgiven him. I began to realize that my father, though he did some really good things, he had a lot of insecurity. He had a lot of demons in his own past. He was probably abused himself as a child. And so out of that place of woundedness, he had tried to exercise power over me as a child. Now, does that mean that my father is exonerated? No, it means I'm no longer held captive by my father. You know, recently an interviewer asked me, so do you end up thinking about your father every single time you pray the Lord's Prayer? And I thought for a moment and I was like, no, he doesn't really even come to mind, you know, because I do pray the Lord's Prayer, but it's so beautiful. You know, I'm thinking about other people perhaps that I have to forgive because I've already taken care of that with my father. So people always ask me, is your father in heaven? Well, I don't know. You know, I leave justice up to God. I hope he's there because if he is there, that means when I get to heaven, it will be a perfect relationship. And so I know that I've extended grace to my father. One of the things that you notice, obviously, Jesus is giving the the model for praying and in the Lord's prayer, he uses our father, but 
as you talk about forgiveness, Jesus talks about forgiveness quite a bit, not just in the Lord's Prayer. He many times uh, during his ministry talks about the need to forgive. Why do you think it was such a big deal to Jesus? I mean, why why is that one of those things that just keeps coming up over and over again. You know, I think because we can't really experience the joy of forgiveness in Jesus unless we're allowing that to flow out of our hearts to others. Because again, people that you don't forgive hold you captive. It does nothing for them, but it's holding you captive. You know, it's really interesting because right after the Lord's Prayer, the Jesus says, hey, if you forgive others, my heavenly father will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, you know, my heavenly father won't forgive you. And we kind of just gloss over that and we think, well, maybe that's not really true, <laughs> but it's honestly, it, 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 Jesus took this seriously. If you want to really enjoy and experience Christ's forgiveness, it needs to flow out of you because in heaven, there's going to be no bitterness. And so we, we need to internalize Christ's forgiveness to such a point where we realize, listen, Jesus took all the initiative to forgive me. So I need to forgive others. Now, I do want to say this, particularly for your listeners who have possibly been abused. Sexual abuse is a horrific crime. And I feel for you. Now, just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that you're reconciled to them. Reconciliation is different than forgiveness. And I, I feel right now like the Holy Spirit is really prompting me to say this for some of your listeners. You know, when Jesus hung from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. However, only those who came in repentance were reconciled to him. And so I was never reconciled to my father. I've offered him forgiveness. I hope he is reconciled to my heavenly father, but I was never reconciled to him. And so we need to understand that just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that they shouldn't go for to jail for what they do, that there shouldn't be a retribution, but that we can leave in God's hands. Because he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not ours. Thank you for sharing that. And thanks for that clarification. I think mm -hmm. that is important to make sure that we understand as we process through forgiveness. It, it doesn't change what happened and it doesn't uh, absolve the person from the consequences of their actions, but it does, in some cases, allow you to reconcile ultimately and sometimes we have the opportunity, sometimes we don't. But leaving it in God's hands, ultimately removing it from our back, if you will, the weight off of our back, I think that's something that's so key is just being able to extend that grace, even if it's never returned, being able to extend that grace does something for us. It does something for us and, and helps us in the process of healing. One of the things you talk about as well as the invitations is living victoriously. Part of that is related to the portion of the Lord's Prayer that talks about lead us not into temptation. And certainly as fathers, we face lots of temptations, mothers as well, if you're listening. And, you know, it's an interesting turn of phrase, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Someone might ask the question, does God ever lead us into temptation or is that just part of life? You know, I really wrestled with that question as I was studying this because I'm like, okay, 
I always thought God didn't lead us into temptation. And yet, when you look at the baptism of Jesus, Jesus comes up out of the water. God the Father is there. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. Right after that, it says the Spirit led Jesus into the de into the wilderness where he was going to be tempted. So God definitely leads us into trials and places where temptation comes as a part of that. And I don't think it's like the Lord is like, doubt me, doubt me. But when he leads us into hard circumstances, the accuser is right there saying, did God really say that? Can you really trust God? And so temptation is often a part of those trial experiences in our lives. And yet victory is possible because victory has already been won by Jesus Christ. You know, he ascended from the grave, he he came back to life and then ascended to heaven where he seats, is seated at the right hand of the Father and victory is ours. And so when temptation comes, you need to understand perhaps a little bit about yourself, where you are most tempted, and then you need to lean into your community where there's accountability and you need to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit you know, help me to live victoriously in this moment. There's a lot to learn from the Lord's Prayer, and I want to let folks know that I will be uh, putting the link to this book in uh, the podcast notes today so you can find this and use it yourself. I think it'd be very helpful for your Christian walk in general, but certainly as a parent as well, there's a lot to learn from it. Becky, in our last few minutes together here, I wanted to kind of go back to your story for a moment as fathers are watching or listening to this, one of the things that they may be thinking about, and it may not be sexual abuse, but there may be temptations or things that they're battling, or maybe they have anger from their own life situations. Maybe they're they're too short with their kids. Maybe they expect too much of their kids. If nothing else through this experience, you have learned the impact of a father's actions on their child, to that father who is wrestling with whatever it is at the moment, maybe some thoughts or words of encouragement for him about understanding the importance of his actions with regard to his children. Yeah, I would say, you know, first and foremost, um, understand that your child is a precious gift from God. And we need to, as parents, really gently lead these children. You know, back when Steve and I were raising kids, um, a lot of people at different times would criticize us because we weren't perhaps as harsh as they felt we needed to be. But everything in our thinking was we want a deep connection with our kids because we want a connection with them when they're older. And, and so you're not going to do everything perfect as a father, but keep in mind that connection is everything. You want to stay as connected to your child as possible so that your child can grow up and have that deep connection with God. And so gentleness goes a long way in the parenting journey. I also know that we were bound to have some moms listening, at least from the data so far from the podcast, moms are tuning in as well. Uh, for a mom maybe who has a, a, a husband who is dealing with some of these challenges, whatever they are, and she sees him struggling, she knows that 
that he wants to be a better dad. He's maybe even said it. She wants him to be a better dad. I know there's a fine line of, you know, telling dad what to do and, and all of that, maybe just a word of, of uh, inspiration or encouragement to a wife about how she can pray or support or talk to her husband who may be going through some of these challenges. Yeah, that's a great question. I think first and foremost, um, definitely pray. Choose certain scriptures that you're going to pray for your husband. If you notice that your husband has a short fuse, begin praying scriptures like is found in Philippians 4, let your gentleness be evident to all, you know, and just start praying the scriptures over your husband. Understand where his triggers are. You know, if, if your husband is coming home and he's really stressed after work, do your part, you know, get things as calm as you can get them before he comes home. Create the space to listen to your husband so that he feels heard in the marriage. And then, you know, if your husband is being too harsh with your kids, like hitting them, exploding in anger, sit down with your husband and say, hey, you know, we need to talk about this. I love you, but this is not how I want to raise our kids. And then if you need to, you know, see if you can set up some counseling together as a couple with somebody, a godly therapist who can help you navigate those waters. Yeah, and I want to make sure uh, not leave any any room for misunderstanding as we wrap up this time together. If you ever find yourself husband or wife in a situation where there is actual physical abuse, things like that, reach out and get help. You need to get help. Don't try to handle it all yourself or just pray about it. Those kinds of things at that point need immediate interdiction. And I just want to encourage folks, never fear reaching out to somebody if you need help, uh, dad or mom, either one. Yeah. If you're, I, I do, I'm glad you said that. Thank you. Because, you know, as, as a mom, since the question was originally addressed to moms, your job is to protect your kids. So even if you're loyal to your husband and you realize that your husband is abusing your kids, say something, stop, move out if you have to. I've talked to countless women who have been abused by their husbands and are staying in abusive marriages. And that's the worst thing you can do for your kids. So please don't do that. Reach out, leave if you have to. Yeah. A good, a good information here. And again, just want to encourage you to check out this book, Our Father, A Study of the Lord's Prayer, six-week Bible study, learning to understand God as Father, which can help begin to process some of those father wounds uh, through worship, through surrender, through asking audaciously, finding freedom through forgiveness, and ultimately living in victory, which is one of the key and beautiful messages of this whole thing, is that uh, it doesn't have to end on a downer. It can end on a victorious note because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has made the ultimate sacrifice and has won the victory, and that is ours through his power and strength. Becky Harling, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to share some of your life and your story with us today. Thanks for having me. And just to, to let your listeners know, um, I do also have a podcast called The Connected Mom Podcast, since a large, a large part of your audience are women, so they might enjoy that as well. Thank you. My thanks to Becky for joining me today. I pray that something she shared about father wounds or the healing process will be helpful for you in the days ahead. If you'd like to learn more about Becky, her podcast, her book, or this podcast, just stop by our website, 
dadaintnojoke.com. That's dadaintnojoke.com. I'd also appreciate your feedback. Please like the podcast, subscribe to it so you never miss an episode, hit that bell. Be sure to leave your comments as well. While it may not be the toughest job on the planet, being dad is an important and impactful assignment. May God give us the strength and wisdom to do it well. And remember, dad ain't no joke. We'll see you next time.